Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to my show. This is Partners in Health and Biz, and you are listening to our podcast. (laughs) Yes, this podcast and this episode is Overcome Your Fear of Finances. Ah, yes, many of us have fear of finances. But before we get into the show, I'd like to tell you that this is the day that the Lord has made and we will rejoice and be glad in it. So thank you so much for tuning in. And uh, you missed me last week. If you missed me last week, yes, I had to take a little break, but I'm back alive, well, and kicking, thank God. So let's get into the show, how to move beyond fear-based financial habits to find true prosperity. That's what we all want, right? Yes, yes. So it's easy to go on autopilot when it comes to managing money. You might toss bills into a drawer, (laughs) shop mindlessly online. (laughs) Yes, you know, many of you are that's one thing that you're doing or pay for dinner with a credit card when your bank balance is too low don't do that please well maybe you leave the finances to your partner then feel clueless about how much money you really have don't do that especially ladies we have a tendency to put certain responsibilities place certain responsibilities on our partner and to just be in the dark when it comes to finances. But let's not do that. We, God gave us a brain and we need to know what's going on in our households. We need, we need to know about the financial situation of our home. God forbid anything happens to our mate. And uh, then we are just totally, as they say, totally clueless and lost in the sauce, blind as a bat, and have no idea what's going on and so that's no way to live your life no way to be or perhaps you have a good income but refuse to buy a decent winter coat or donate to a single charity because you fear going broke well some of you have had a tragic upbringing when it comes to finances maybe you lived in poverty and you were poverty stricken as a child and now as an adult you still have those fears you still hang on to those what if fears so this show is about how to move beyond fear-based financial habits to find true prosperity so these habits are clearly self-defeating yet there are legitimate reasons we act this way one is confusion It's impossible to understand something that we never talk about. And according to financial educator Kate Northrup, author of Money, A Love Story, there's so much secrecy about money from the very beginning of our lives. Most children have no idea how much money their parents make. We're kept in the dark and not taught how to handle our our finances. True? It's like, oh, they're children. They don't need to know. Well, yes, they are children and they do. They do need to know. Children don't need to believe that 
you can just go to that little box that's next to the bank the atm machine and get as much money out of it and it's just like a magic a box that produces cash money no no that's not the way it works so yes most children have no idea how much money their parents make because we as parents are not sharing that information with our children uh, we keep them in the dark and we do not teach them how to handle their finances financial literacy isn't the only reason we have become unconscious isn't the only reason we behave unconsciously yes our consumer culture is characterized by a scarcity mentality which is so frightening it can shut down rational thought this view holds that there's not enough for everyone and more is always better it encourages us to compete rather than cooperate with others and when we're motivated by scarcity and its attendant emotions of fear and shame we can quickly develop have habits of avoidance yet it is possible to move from a scarcity min mindset to a more conscious calm and general one the key to this shift involves moving from a mindset of you or me to one of you and me according to lynn twist she is the founder of the soul of money institute so when we expand our thinking to include the common good as well as our own well-being we experience the true meaning of prosperity the feeling that we finally have enough so the following three steps can help us move from a scarcity mentality and cultivate more satisfying financial lives so let's see how this is done and we're going to take this one step at a time so the first thing learn what enough feels like let me repeat that learn what enough feels like <laughs> so we have these little piggy banks and uh almost like the three little bear the three bears and uh the mama bear the papa bear the baby bear so think about that so some of us have a scarcity mentality because we experienced scarcity according to brett brent kelso brent cassell he is the author of it's not about the money <laughs> and ceo of abacus wealth partners quote we saw our parents having scarcity or we ourselves went through it it's a terrifying feeling to not have enough money and be worried will i be able to eat will i be kicked out of my apartment but he notes there's a difference between genuine scarcity and the scarcity mentality that fuels consumer culture scarcity mentality is a zero sum game <laughs> it presumes there are only so many slices of pie to go around and argues that we should grab as many pieces as possible if that means someone else gets no pie then so be it well this mode of thinking can affect virtually all aspects of our lives and it has almost nothing to do with how much money we have 
People with modest means can feel perfectly satisfied, while those with abundant wealth might behave as if they were living paycheck to paycheck. You ever Have you ever met someone like that? Yes, you probably have. Maybe you didn't know it, but you probably have. In her book, The Soul of Money, Transforming Your Relationships, Your Relationship with Money and Life, Twist describes scarcity mentality as a chronic sense of inadequacy that shapes our sense of self. Scarcity becomes the lens through which we experience life, she writes, and it can lead to a self-fulfilling pro- prophecy of inadequacy, lack, and dissatisfaction. This mindset, mindset, says Northrup, is also at the heart of jealousy and not simply of material things. Say your friend lands a great job and instead of you feeling happy for her, you feel terrible. It's almost as if something has been taken away from you. But Northrup believes jealousy can be a key to insight if we don't get caught up in the illusion of being deprived. Comparison is normal, she explains, but when you start thinking that if somebody else has something, then you can't have it, it's time to examine those feelings. If you pull back the curtain of jealousy in this instance, you might discover that you'd like to switch jobs yourself. Instead of believing your friend got the last decent job, (laughs) you might choose to see her success as proof that other cool opportunities are out there and there's enough to go around. And so she says, a lot of people think the opposite of scarcity is abundance, like living the lifestyle of the rich and famous, Kelso explains. But the opposite of scarcity is sufficiency which is just enough. The perspective of lack is deep and cultural. So shifting, it usually requires concrete physical steps. So Kelsel offers these exercises. Ready? Number one, imagine your preferred financial future and journal about it. That's right. What do you want to happen in your future? What's next for you? Think positive. Maybe you want to be free of worrying about money or you'd like to be able to afford dinner out for a few times a month. A few times a month, yes. Perhaps you'd prefer to work only a certain number of hours per week and have time to visit museums. Oh, doesn't that sound wonderful? Define how you want to feel about your financial life and write it down. Wonderful, wonderful to kick this thing off. Let me repeat that. Define how you want to feel about your financial life and write it down. Yes, now that the pandemic is here, we have lots of time to think about our lives and how we want our lives to be or how we'd like to change our lives to reflect about some of the things that have happened in the past. Next, look for examples of sufficiency. Look for examples of sufficiency. Our brains seek to confirm our beliefs. It's called confirmation bias. And when we're caught in a scarcity mindset, Kelsel says we tend to look for 
for proof. We might think, look, there's another person who's struggling. See, there isn't enough money to go around. Try seeking examples of sufficiency instead. Think about that friend who lives comfortably on a smaller paycheck than yours and enjoys more free time. Clean out your closet so you're left only with clothes you love and donate the rest. Love it, love it, love it. Buy a friend coffee instead of paying separately. These small gestures can help reorient you to sufficiency instead of scarcity and create the potential for greater generosity. Doesn't that feel good? Yes, yes. Number three, do something in the next 24 hours to cultivate the feeling of sufficiency. I repeat, do something in the next 24 hours to cultivate the feeling of sufficiency and move toward the future you want. Each person's needs will be different, but whatever you choose to do, make it concrete. You might start by giving something away. Kessel stresses the importance of practicing generosity to combat scarcity thinking. And uh, quote, Kelso says, I'm a big believer in generosity as a subliminal message to ourselves that there is enough. Give to the level that makes the pleasure-seeking part of you and even the security-seeking part of you a little bit quacky, <laughs> she says. <laughs> a little bit quacky. Okay. If you make $300,000 a year and you're giving away $2,000 a year, that's kind of just a rounding error. You don't really notice it. That's not going to change your mindset. To experience sufficiency in a deeper way, he suggests giving an amount that would force you to say, that's a little bit hard to write that size check, (laughs) but I want to do it and I believe in the cause and I'm fired up about the impact that this, that my gift is going to have. Yes. How does that feel? Being generous can make us feel rich. Like we have enough to spare, which is the ultimate antidote to the scarcity mindset. And uh, again, a lot of people think the opposite of scarcity is abundance, but the opposite of scarcity is sufficiency, which is just enough. Yes, the three little bears and Goldilocks. (laughs) Okay. Next, don't believe the consumer hype. Don't believe the consumer hype. Every day we're pressured from all directions to buy and consume more than we need. But we don't have to give in, especially when we stay conscious of the messages we're getting. You're always going to see ads on television, hear ads on the radio, uh, go shopping and see these large signs in the window, things that are on sale, buy one, get one free. You know, you know the drill. You know what's out there. You know what you um, encounter as you're shopping. Well, part of being human is having times when you feel kind of hollow inside, kind of empty, and that's natural. But what our money culture has trained us to believe is that if you're feeling kind of empty, something's wrong, and something's wrong with you, 
and there's a product or service out there to take that feeling away so what do we do mainly ladies and men you do it also we go shopping we go shopping to try to fill that void in our in our inner inner being and we start buying things that make us feel good at the moment right (laughs) at the moment for the moment so that belief system is driven by brain chemistry and ingrained by marketing oh yeah marketing knows how to get you they know how to get you i tell you um for example i (laughs) i have experienced a marketing ploy where there's information out there and it's sent out to people to make them believe that they can for example get two thousand five hundred dollars worth of groceries for free and all you have to do is call a certain number and you may be entitled to this and guess what you may or you may not and maybe it's a marketing ploy to get you to call in well think about that there are various marketing ploys out there Uh, So again, that belief system is driven by brain chemistry and ingrained by marketing. We get rush. We get a rush. We get a rush when we buy something we want. Yes, it does feel good. And I must admit it. And I have been one that been, I have been buying things more since I'm, since the pandemic, you know, we're not comfortable shopping in these large department stores and going to the malls anymore and just hanging out for hours and hours remember those days yes we would just get get together with our family or friends meet at the mall and have lunch sit casually there didn't have to wear a mask and then we would just walk around especially during the right before christmas time and just shop and just have a good time wow those were the days right just think about that well we're in a new new age, new day and age, people have decided that um, they're not comfortable taking the vaccine. They'd rather um, see what happens. And sometimes what happens is they get sick and they die or they contaminate their family and friends and they die. But anyway, I digress. <laughs> Back to the subject um, of what we're discussing here. So we do get a rush when we buy something we want it activates the brain's reward system and triggers a rush of feel-good dopamine but as the rush recedes regrets and remorse often roll in which lead us to make another purchase to avoid discomfort experts call this the hedonic treadmill whoa the hedonic treadmill Using credit cards instead of cash also triggers unconscious money behaviors, explains financial educator Ruth Hayden, author of Your Money Life. Your Money Life. As we become ever more cashless and ever more cashless society, we grow less aware of our spending habits and their consequences. I, for one, have stop using credit cards altogether haven't used credit cards in about maybe four years to pay for anything it's been more than four years it's probably been about five years i am a cash person yes let me pay by cash and i can keep up with what's going on i don't get 
crazy about oh this is a card and i can just uh put a certain amount of money on this credit card and then i can pay it off later no and then what are the interest the interest fees on those credit cards so no i put away my credit cards and i'm using cash people spend more when they're using something that's not cash when they're using a debit card or credit card they spend somewhere between 30 and 35 percent more and it can go as high as 42 percent if there's a reward involved like miles or cash back or a discount at the store <sighs> think about it well, Hayden thinks we need to change the way we interact with money itself, and she recommends the following tactics. Number one, start saving for retirement now. That's right, now. If you work for a company that matches a certain level of savings, put away as much, put away at least that much. Acknowledge that this allows you to take control of your money. Number two, tuck away a set amount from each paycheck. That's right, each paycheck. Even $20 is enough, says Hayden. Keep this money available so you are consciously choosing not to spend it. This allows you to experience the satisfaction of saving. Isn't that nice? You're saving money. You can see it's, it's adding up. It's growing and you feel good. You don't have to panic because you know you have a savings account and your savings account is growing. Number three, stick to cash instead of plastic where, whenever possible. And isn't that what I just told you I do? Stick to cash instead of plastic whenever possible. Working with cash on a daily basis keeps people very conscious about money. Hayden says, it is the height of mindful, mindfulness and money. If you're really dying to buy something, okay, writing down what you think it will do for you. Try writing down what you think this purchase will do for you. For example, if I go away this weekend and stay in that great hotel on the beach, I'll feel super relaxed with the sun on my skin and I'll come back rejuvenated and ready to have a productive month. Yes. Oh, that sounds great. Then if you make the purchase, check in on the reality afterward. How did it compare with your inner advertising campaign? This is a deeper way of tracking your spending. It's qualitative and not just quantitative. Yes? Then you can start to learn from these spending audits and make some better choices. What most of uh, Kessel cl Kessel's clients realize is that experiences are much more important than material possessions. Ha! Huh. I need to repeat that, especially for those um men out there and some women but it tends to be more men but i'm telling you i'm telling you it's just not all about the money okay so 
again then if you make the purchase check on the reality afterward how did it compare with your inner advertising campaign this is a deeper way of tracking your spending it's qualitative i repeat and not just quantitative then you can start to learn from these spending audits and make some better choices and again is that experiences are much more important than material possessions. In fact, a study was shown about how many people really look forward to a vacation. Um, There are workaholics out here that think, well, I don't really need a vacation. I need to work. I need need to uh, save money. I need more money. I need more money. I need more money wow i need more things i need more possessions no 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 and then you have the other set of people like me i need a vacation (laughs) yes a vacation is very important the relaxation is more important than money 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 it's the mentality emotions you know calming your body your spirit your mind and making yourself feel Uh, at peace so it's the experiences that are much more important than material possessions especially for me I don't know about you but think about it take time to think about what I'm saying purchases that involve other people also tend to offer more lasting satisfaction so long as they're not meant to impress or gain approval spending motivated uh, by a desire to give joy, like a surprise gift. Gift, you know. You know a friend uh, who wants something, and you go out and you buy that. So you know a friend wants, but won't buy for herself. Okay? How about that? You know a friend has a desire. She's seen something that she wants, but she won't buy it for herself. So you can offer relief or offer relief, a bag of groceries for a neighbor who's strapped. It's going to bring more fulfillment. And Kessel also notes that new habits are more likely to stick if they're accompanied by a positive feeling. So when you donate $200 to the victims of a recent hurricane or to a food pantry or homeless shelter, instead of buying new boots, connect with that warm feeling of generosity and bask in it so my project that i'm thinking about is the saint jude's hospital that's been on my heart and on my mind to donate to that hospital that helps children that have cancer um and so that the parents don't have to worry and struggle about and worry about their finances and these uh you know innocent children that have developed cancer that need help so that's my project that i'm um, going to join next so when you're doing something good you have that warm you get that warm feeling of generosity bask in it you don't have to tell everybody that's between you and god or you know but it makes you feel good that says counsel is what's going to generate your desire to do it the next time 
It's the same as when you buy a great new pair of shoes and get a dopamine rush. That warm feeling from being generous is going to make you want to do it again and again. Okay, so when we stop buying things to keep up with the Joneses or to keep up with the reward-seeking part of our brains, we can make more conscious choices about our spending. This allows us to start using our money in ways that allow, align with our values, which is where we really hit pay dirt. This isn't as abstract as it sounds. Animal lovers might gladly spend a little more on eggs from chickens raised in sunny yards instead of cramped dark pens. Someone who cares deeply about kids may seek out clothing made by well-paid adults instead of exploited children. A small business owner could commit to supporting other small businesses instead of big box stores. Begin this process by defining your values. All right. Well, we're just about out of time. I certainly hope you have uh, received valuable information and this has helped you. And uh, I want to, I'll probably end, I'll begin the next Saturday show with uh, some final thoughts about this and then jump into a new one. Uh, so email me, goldenvoicesunlimited at gmail.com or partnersinhealth at verizon.net. Until next Saturday, I'm your host, Gail Dixon-McBride. Stay healthy and business savvy. Ta-ta for now.